0: To be discussed with Cup and Gurr, a show that proves that different political opinions do not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Cup, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr. Good
1: evening everybody. That's right, George is a hardline Brexiteer and true blue Conservative, whereas I'm a Lib Dem and Ramona. But despite these different standpoints, we are still good friends. Tonight we'll be asking... Was Westminster correct to impose equal marriage on Northern Ireland? What should Labour's next action be to tackle its perceived anti-Semitism epidemic? And lastly, do you prefer hot or cold? Uh, Sorry, that's not correct. Uh, Lastly, we are asking uh, what's better, pub or the nightclub or neither Uh, With each of these discussions, being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each
0: topic. But first, last week we asked you to send us in your opinions on this question. Should we hold to account historical figures based upon today's values? And you guys, as always, have been sending us in lots of different fascinating responses. So let's kick off with the first one from Charlotte. And she says, I think it's wrong to hold people to account based on today's values because values in society change. For example, there were certain things you could say on TV shows in the 90s, which nowadays wouldn't be acceptable. You see all those clips from shows like The Simpsons or even Friends that now you wouldn't be allowed to show on TV. But society was different then. I don't think it's right to ban a show or hold someone to account for something they did 20 years ago. Just just because today, 20 years after they did that thing, society society has decided that what they did isn't right anymore. Callum your thoughts yeah no I completely
1: agree with Charlotte there I mean with with the um, examples of the TV shows that she's given now I mean they have obviously got um, many things in there that under today's standards we would say is wrong so The Simpsons um, Apu um, is not voiced by an Asian actor and falls very much in line with many Asian stereotypes yeah. or something like friends as well you you would consider that is transphobic and and there's also some some homophobic stuff in there as well, but it is transphobic in its depiction of uh, Chan Chanda's dad uh, who evidently does identify uh, as a woman uh, or at least we we would probably suggest that 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 would be the kind of natural progression of her story. um so uh, under those circumstances, obviously you could you could make the case that uh, that we would hold these um, shows to account and maybe not show them because of the facts that they go they steer into stereotypes or they're transphobic or homophobic or, or things like this. and And I think that we should always treat these shows with the kind of maddening glass of of of, of what uh, our values are today. Um, and we, we should always be willing to call out when something is wrong and doesn't hold up with, with what we perceive to be right. But I don't think that we should necessarily then be looking to completely stop showing these shows or, or things like that. I think we just need to have a, a good awareness of our own society's values and, and make sure that we can kind of show these shows sometimes as, as evidence of how far we've come as well. and and the fact that society changes and that there is a kind of moral
0: evolution, I suppose. Uh, What do you think, George? That was, that was very nicely put, Callum. <laughs> uh, um, I think uh, Charlotte makes a very good point here. And I think when, when we look at it on like a a grand concept in terms of if we looked at a, a individual political figure or a historical figure um, that maybe did something wrong, then yeah, maybe it would be correct to judge them on today's values. But if we look at genres in terms of TV shows, films that were um, produced and written in a different time, then I don't think it's it's as right of us to criticise those people in terms of the because they they haven't as such made a decision that has affected people around them, um, and and I think these TV shows look. We are, um, we are. I think a lot of us as a society we are mature enough and we understand where things are wrong and where things cross the line and where things are funny um, and. Yes, there are elements of things that were written into it that are um, homophobic or, or um, racist and things like that. But I, I still think that if we have that understanding and we can move forward from that, then there isn't anything wrong with it. And I and I am pretty sure there is still material being written today that is that highlights um, as much homophobe material as Friends did or as much racist material as The Simpsons does. Um, so I don't I do I don't think as such that we are seeing newly produced shows today that are um, completely PC and that we don't see anything of that, that in there because that's not the real world unfortunately. Um, and I think sometimes in terms of the Friends, which is a comedy aspect, you have to cross the line of it's okay to have a laugh about some things um, and not to always be so serious.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I I do tend to agree with you there, George. Uh, Moving on to the next opinion from Leah. Leah said, I do think we need to hold people uh, to account based on today's values. And for one very clear reason, the things that we deem to be wrong today have always been wrong. Racism was always wrong. Sexual assault was always wrong. Keeping slaves was always wrong. You name it. It was always wrong. It's just that the victims didn't have a platform to hold their perpetrators to account for what they were doing. It isn't the case that one day everybody woke up and changed their morals. It's that you aren't allowed to do these things anymore because the people impacted most by it can now do do something about it if you do. So even though you may have been able to get away with horrible things
0: historically, does not make them right. What do you think about that, George? Well, I think Leah, there kind of um, what a fantastic message that was, to be honest. Um, and I think it's a really clear message as well. And I and I do agree with um, elements of what she's saying. I, I really do. I think no matter how far we look back in history, whether it's slavery or sexual assault, and whether it was uh, to say, oh well, it was all right back then, I don't ever think that is. A good enough excuse when yeah. as i kind of highlighted earlier um when it's on something like a tv show and it's not directly effective affecting anyone then i think you can kind of get away with it and we shouldn't judge it but when there is an individual actually directly affecting someone directly abusing someone whether it's emotionally or physically um it it shouldn't it shouldn't happen, and and there is no argument for anyone. I don't believe to turn around and say, "Oh, well, what it was? It was twenty years ago. It was it was okay to do that then." Well, no, the the morals of how we are haven't changed. I'm sure. People still felt comfortable back then. But, as Leah rightly says, they those people that didn't feel comfortable didn't have the platform or the ability to stand up against um those that were committing committing those hate crimes as such. and they they are hate crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it is right to be able to to judge and and hold account political figures of of what. And um, they have done, but where, and I know Leah hasn't mentioned it, but I do want to say it where I do sometimes find a a small problem is when people have passed away and then we see these stories come out about them. And um, I, I, sometimes, and I'm not saying that they're not true, but I'm saying that I wish that they had come out for before. And I know it's sometimes hard for the victims to do that, but because then we could have heard it from the um, suspects story as well. Um, just to see the two sides. but but, yeah, i, I do definitely agree with what Lee was saying there. what What do you think? Um, I, I I do agree with Leah to an extent in
1: that I, of course, yeah, the things that we deem to be wrong today have always been wrong. But I think that it kind of implies then that that we've reached the the end of, and I'm going to keep going with this. As, as the way to term it with our, our moral evolution. Um, I, I think that if if we say that what we deem wrong today mm. has always been wrong, mm. then does that then mean that anything that we don't think of as wrong today, we, we can't then um, later in the line say, actually that was wrong, if, if that makes sense. Um, and, and I think that we do need to accept that morals and and what we consider right and wrong is an ever changing thing. Um, and so, so, you know, something that we might consider wrong today or, or, or rather we don't consider wrong today might then be considered wrong by our kids or our grandkids generation. Um, and, and then I think. Based upon that, Leah and, and me and you, George, we, we might end up actually wanting to, to say, well, times were different and we had different morals rather than allowing our grandkids to hold us t- to account to an extent. Um, uh, it, I mean, it obviously depends upon or what kind of thing we're talking about. But I I think if we look at a fairly recent example, the um, being transphobic example, yeah. um, I, I think that uh, obviously there have actually been many trans people throughout history but it's only something that's really got a lot of attention very very recently so i think to then hold people to account for being uh transphobic in, in tv shows or or even to a certain extent in history or at least turning a blind eye to these kind of things i think wouldn't necessarily be correct to do because the values were slightly different then. Even if we know well and truly that that is wrong now, but those those are our standards, Yeah. if that makes yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, kind of, and I think you've given a really, really good explanation there. Um, right, okay, so remember, we will be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show, so make sure you're ready for that, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. Um, we'll be back very, very soon.
1: Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. Time to move on to our second discussion of this evening and we are asking, was Westminster correct to impose equal marriage on Northern Ireland? So MPs held a landmark vote this week that paves the way to legalise same-sex marriage in Northern Ireland. The vote means Westminster will be compelled to legalise same-sex marriage in the province if a devolved government is not formed by the 21st of October this year. The decision to bypass the devolved Northern Irish government and impose equal marriage on Northern Ireland through Westminster has courted controversy. DUP MP Sir Geoffrey Donaldson criticised the vote, stating the DUP believe the purpose of devolution is to allow the different parts of the UK to make laws that are appropriate for that part of the country. Liberal Democrat MP Leila Moran responded rather differently, saying, there are so many things to criticise about this parliament, but finally, we are witnessing progress. George, where do you stand on this? Is this an example of progress, or was it wrong for Westminster to impose equal marriage on Northern Ireland?
0: Look, yeah, I think we live in a 21st century country. And no matter who you love, um, uh, Shouldn't stand in the way on wanting to get married and wanting to have a family, and I think it is wrong that any country would stand against that. So I stand by our government that voted to ensure that um, equal marriage um, happened in Northern Ireland, and I and I, and I think it, it it is a it is a good thing to happen. You know, why Why shouldn't we see it happen? And I mean, yes, I know there are those that are saying that it isn't what the Northern Ireland wants and um, due to their Catholic heritage, that it's it's against their religion and so on and so forth. But I'm sorry, we are in a multi um country and union and we should be accepting people from all backgrounds and with all beliefs, with open arms. And I think this is a step into into that um corridor um what do you think that kind of? do you are are you supportive of um our government in what what has happened
1: yes I, I absolutely am yeah i mean um i think firstly that the the kind of argument that that the devolved administration should be handling this kind of issue I, I i think is completely ludicrous because this is this is a human rights issue i think um you know it's it's the right for people to, to get married, that that's effectively what this is, and um, so I, I don't see why devolved administration should be having a say uh, a say in that because ultimately, then what what's the point of having a United Kingdom, um, and and I think um it also brings into the the uh, abortion vote that happens this week as well and um the legalization yeah. or, or the or the expansion of the rights for abortion um. In northern ireland as well again i think that's a that's a human rights issue um, that's that's giving um women a choice um over over what they want to do with their body um and and ultimately that that's something we should be supportive of um and, and i think kind of coming back of course to the equal marriage which is what this question um is about um they um of course, the the Catholics and the, the the more Christians, traditional Christians within Northern Ireland, say, "Oh, this is not what we want. Um, yeah. Same sex marriage." Well, wake wake up and smell the coffee. It's not for you anyway. Well, uh, I absolutely. mean, the reason why we are legalising same sex marriage is so that same sex couples can get married and they're the people that want this and they're they're the people that we're legislating for yeah. in this. Um so so I think ultimately I, I I'm completely supportive of what Westminster has done here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and no carry on, George.
0: Do you think, and I, as much as this is a positive thing, and I think we are right to try and promote um, what our government has done, but all the same, um, I think as a Conservative and Unionist party, I believe in the Union, and I and I think there is strength in the Union. Do you think that there is a possibility that um, by government taking this step and um, putting this vote forward and passing it, do you think there is now threat of the union splitting not just in scotland but now it is um the snowball is gaining snow in northern ireland to become independent um i mean it will
1: help a a few people I suppose although I think ultimately the main the main opposition that there was to same-sex marriage in, in Northern Ireland was from the more unionist parties anyway yeah um, I, I think it was uh, from the DUP particularly um, so I'm not sure that it's a really a massive weapon in, in the armory no more than what kind of brexit will will be a weapon for them anyway for, for those that maybe seek reunification. Of Ireland, I mean, I think realistically that they're, they're the options for Northern Ireland: stay as part of United Kingdom or reuni- reunify with, with Ireland. Because I, I don't think it's really that feasible for them to be a completely, you know, independent country to the same extent as what you could argue it's it's feasible for Scotland. But um, I, I mean, I think obviously you know, this vote could be used, although I don't think it will be. It could potentially be used actually by uh scottish uh campaigners to kind of say well look westminster opposing things on um imposing things rather on um the de- devolved administrations this is why we need our own um or, or our independence rather um, but i i think that's highly unlikely because of the fact that it's generally universally accepted that same-sex marriage is something that we should um be legislating for
0: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it's um, quite clear to me that uh, if, if Scotland were, or Scottish campaigners um, that want independence were to use this argument, it would be quite, um, I think it would quickly turn against them with the fact that this is something positive. It's not like we've um, imposed more taxes upon them that they don't want to pay. This is something that is going to help the people of Northern Ireland. Um, and I think in that way, I I, I I don't. I hope that Scotland independent campaigners won't be using this against um, or force with the union. um, In fact, but uh, do you think that we will? um, We can slowly see the UK become the capital of accepting. gay rights and and gay relationships. And do you think we are taking enough steps in ensuring that we are open to uh, people's beliefs when it comes to gay marriage? Um, I think that
1: we, we are, yes, one of the kind of world leaders in, in kind of L- LGB equality, for, certainly. Uh, and I think compared to um, certain nations which are more... Um, religious than than what I'd say our country is nowadays, or at least more dogmatically religious. Um, Mm -hmm. I I do think we are very strong in in accepting um, gay relationships and and lesbian relationships, so on. Um, But I I, I mean, I don't think we should pat ourselves on the back too much, because obviously there's still uh, a fight to be had as such. I mean, George, just a question, obviously, because this uh, this legalization process has, has not actually been officially confirmed. It's only if uh, Northern Ireland doesn't manage to get a, a devolved um, government by the 21st of October this year. Do, so do you think that it's likely they will get a devolved administration? And, and mm-hmm. then do you think it's likely then that that government will come in and say, well, Actually, no, we're not legalising same-sex marriage. So, uh, so, actually, do you think the champagne should be on ice on this one?
0: I think, yeah. When 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 we look at it in in uh, detail, we have to make sure that we are um, aren't celebrating too early. And you are in quite right in saying that the, this was put on um, promised ground essentially. And I do think there is the chance of there being devolved um, the government, but i i i think it's in their best interest to ensure that this goes through um because it's 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 good for everyone it's not just as I, as i go back to the, my point earlier this isn't just about um helping just i don't know normal um it's not just about being uh, uh like a tax or anything it is about helping people and making sure that they yeah. are being um, being made equal and and standing with one another, so I think no matter what happens around it, it would be a benefit of the Northern Ireland uh, government to make sure this this is this is introduced. But do you, do you think that this is under threat then? Um, uh, I think it, it is under threat slightly
1: um, from the fact that DUP obviously are very adamantly opposed to this. Uh, and same with the abortion bill as well. They're quite opposed to that. Um, so so I do think there is a slight threat because of the way that governments had to be formed in Northern Ireland. So you have to have a unionist and a uh, uh, pro-reunification uh, party um, I- involved in, in a government in Northern Ireland. So because of that, there is always a natural threat there to, to these kind of things. But given how long it has been since uh, Northern Ireland has had a devolved administration I, I don't think that it's likely that they will get one by the 21st of October so then it means that when they do eventually get a new government they, if they wish to make sure that same sex um, couples can't get married in Northern Ireland then they will actually have to properly um, overturn this law and, and change the law back um, and I think once it's happened, I, I can't see that they they will be able to turn it back over, or at least I hope they won't. And and I think inevitably this um, the legalization of same-sex marriage in Northern Ireland is an inevitability anyway, eventually, just because of the way people's attitudes are changing. Um, yeah. So I think they would be wise to to just kind of accept that that this vote has happened now, but we will see what happens. Absolutely. Right then, time to move on to our second sunbreak of this evening. But remember to vote on this poll was Westminster correct to impose equal marriage on Northern Ireland? And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back very soon. <laughs> And welcome back to To Be Discussed. So before the break, we asked the question, was Westminster correct to impose equal marriage on Northern Ireland? And you guys have been voting away. So 82% of you have said yes, Westminster was correct, compared to 18% of you that have said no, they weren't. George, that's not a particularly surprising
0: result, is it? Well, I, I was expecting no to be a lot lower than that, if I'm honest. Right. Um, I su- given our... Um, our audience and the, the generations of our audience I i thought it would be lower than that but I, I i am wrong obviously yeah i mean but if possibly to do slightly with the way
1: we were the question obviously it was because of the kind of suggestion or, or, or the perception we had that uh obviously that yes would come out sky high on top i think we did kind of load load the question a bit so that it it favoured the no answer a little bit more.
0: Yeah, very good point. Right, okay, let's move on to our third discussion of this evening. And we're asking the question, what should Labour's next action be to tackle its perceived anti semitism anti-Semitism epidemic. So last week, Parama re- revealed claims from a number of former party officials that some of Jeremy Corbyn's closest allies try to interfere in disciplinary processes involving allegations of anti-Semitism. Labour disputes Team is supposed to operate independently from the party's political structures, including the leader's office. Four former officials chose to talk publicly despite having signed non-disclosure agreements (NDAs) with Labour not to discuss any aspects of their work for the party. The party has insisted claims aired by BBC Panorama were inaccurate and made my mar- uh, and. Made by disaffected former staff. In a recent interview, Emily Thornberry told Andrew Marr, "Nobody can pretend there isn't a problem going on within Labour. But what should Labour do now? Well, we want to find out what you guys think. But first, Callum, what do you think from these options? So uh, the first option is nothing. Replace Corbyn as leader. Expel known offenders legal action against offenders and other? Um,
1: I, I think that it's quite difficult to know what Labour should do next, to be honest with you. Um, but I'll talk through some of the options sort of thing. Uh, so, so firstly, nothing obviously is completely not an option. Uh, I mean, it would be a complete uh, miscarriage of the kind of justice that, that Labour seeks uh, to uh, provide as an anti-racist party. So to do nothing would be to effectively say that it's okay for anti-Semitism to go on within the Labour movement, which obviously I don't think anyone wants uh, to to do that, to be fair. Uh, replacing Corbyn as leader, I think, would be a cosmetic change rather than actually um, tackle this epidemic more root and stem. Uh, I think that Corbyn has ushered in uh, a more vocal level of anti-Semitism within the Labour movement um, because the more far or the further left elements of the Labour movement tend to be more anti-Semitic because they're more strongly uh, pro-Palestine to the point where they don't necessarily believe in a two-state solution in the uh, Israel-Palestine conflict. Um, But I think... Ultimately, replacing Corbyn as leader though would would do go some way to solving these things, but it probably just mean that they're swept under the rug a bit more rather than actually tackling them and and kind of giving them um, daylight these kind of views so that we can expose them for for what they are and kind of completely ungrounded views that normally involve on involve conspiracy theories and things like this. So I think, based upon that, the best action that Labour can take now is expel known offenders, um, which is easier said than done, obviously, because um, it it sometimes can be hard to to decide what constitutes anti-Semitism. But I think. The, that should be the action they're taking, expelling the offenders. But I think they also have to be frank about the fact that anti Semitism in the modern age has changed slightly. Um, I, I, it, it's not the kind of really clear anti Semitism that it, it was in the past. I think nowadays, anti Semitism is, is normally anti Zionism um, and it has kind of three main components. So, usually, anti Zionists would argue for some kind of political program to abolish the Jewish homeland uh, and create no other homeland for them um, they spread a kind of discourse that seeks to demonize uh, Israel as evil and and Nazi and and also um, they want to create a kind of global movement that makes Israel a global pariah state as well and mm-hmm. kind of um, Makes them easier to be got rid of because they're very a very isolated state. Is is what the movement wants, and and I think if if anyone within the Labour movement is expressing these kind of views, so wanting to abolish Jewish homeland, uh, demonising it as evil, uh, or trying to make it a pariah state, then I think then these kind of people should be kicked out of the Labour movement completely, um, and so. I think there needs to be an acceptance from Labour, but also f- from the wider world, that actually the nature of antisemitism has changed now. Um, and based upon that, then they can seek to actually hopefully get rid of this epidemic, or at least uh, make it so that it doesn't look like they're complicit with, with it and accepting uh, of these kind of views being expressed.
0: What do you think, George? Well, um, I must say that as much as um, I say this a lot when we do talk about this subject, I, um, I'm appalled that we have to even have this conversation about um, a political party and a political party that is the second biggest party in parliament. Um, and when I was watching the, the uh, Panorama show, I was honestly, um gobsmacked i really really was and i i couldn't believe what i was hearing and what i was um seeing and as much as i did believe that there were elements of the labor party um that were um anti-semitic but i i didn't realize how large the problem actually was and as much as i think jeremy corbyn um he i think there are elements that have he has tried to Kind of um, stop it in terms of he has talked about it, but I think behind closed doors, obviously there hasn't been an, there hasn't been enough um, that has gone on, and I think it is appalling to be honest with you. Um, and I think Jeremy Corbyn should absolutely hang his head in shame. And I think it's uh, awful as well that the Labour Party tweeted out saying that they don't um, all of these are practically lies of what's gone on because they're. Th- these accusations are made from disaffected staff. And I and I just think that is so appalling. You know, wh- why couldn't they have sent out a tweet saying, we've seen the Panorama um, TV show, we will take what's gone on board, and we, we will investigate it where necessary. Yeah. Um, but I, so for me, out of those options, I think doing nothing would be the end of the Labour Party. And I think we would see many, many, many Labour MPs leave the party um and I, so i personally think i'm kind of on the same level as you callum in terms that i think um we've got they've they've got to kind of look at who is the figurehead of this this drive and it is jeremy corbyn um and a lot of people will vote on or support a party on its face value And currently, Jeremy Corbyn's face value is anti-Semitism at the moment. There is a lot of anti-Semitism being rushed around the media with Jeremy Corbyn's head above the the headline. Um, So I think for the Labour Party to recover and for the Labour Party to truly try and start to stamp out anti-Semitism, they've got to replace Corbyn as leader. Um, And I truly, the second My second option would be to take legal action against those offenders within the Labour Party, whether it's um, MPs or senior uh, officials in the party or even just members, um, because it shouldn't be right. And it should be stamped out. Um, So I think even though it will be hard, I do believe that it should be a incredibly big investigation in this to see where it's gone on. Um, And what also does upset me, I suppose, is I'm I'm sad how many Labour MPs that disagree with what's going on or, or, or have actually shouted about it haven't left the party to make an impact um and I and I don't know about that do, do you think that they that those that are calling it out to truly make a stand should they leave the Labour Party uh, I think it's a very difficult decision to be made mm. um
1: but but I think um it comes to a point when you feel a movement can no longer be saved, um, or, or rather you don't wish to reward that movement and seek to legitimise yes. that movement. Yes. So so I think by, by s- staying within the party, you could argue they do legitimise these views partly. Um, but also, I, I do also understand that um, when these voices are gone, these more um, sensible voices are, uh, and these more pragmatic voices, when when they're gone from the party, then that also then means that that movement is lost forever, too. Um, Mm. Because because then those that seek to spread anti-Semitic hate will have effectively won as well. So I think it's a very, very difficult decision to be made. I just want to kind of go back to so So your main solution is is to replace Corbyn as leaders. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do you not think there's a risk, though, that that if Labour were to replace Corbyn as leader without doing any, anything else, say that's the first action they do, do you think there's not a risk that they will just end up voting in? Because there are a large number of Labour members who, who don't think there's an anti-Semitism problem at all, yeah. um, that they will end up voting in a candidate who agrees with that viewpoint who, but maybe he's not anti-Semitic himself or herself, um, but they legitimise this anti-Semitism by, by effectively dismissing it and saying that it's not happening. Do you not think that realistically, by getting rid of Corbyn, all you're doing is effectively cutting the head off of a worm and
0: that anti-Semitism is still going to live on? Um I think there is always the risk of that, absolutely, um, and it's a fair point you make. But essentially, what I think would happen, or what I would like to see, is happen, is if they got rid of Corbyn, then they would be able to um, re-establish a leader um, that would take a, take the party away from anti Semitism and start drawing the lines around it and, and and I hope that there would be those members, the Labour members, that would um Actually, vote for the person that wants to get away from anti-Semitism and, and stop anti-Semitism within the party. And I think if Jeremy Corbyn stepped down, the Labour Party themselves would see an increase in membership from those that are more Blairites. And and I think because of that, you would potentially see um, the far left side of Labour slowly disappear. Um, and that's what I would hope to see. But I uh, I do I don't think that it's that's the only way you can solve this um, problem yeah. because it is a massive problem and you're very right in saying that, you know, this is something that's going to take a very, very long time and if you just get rid of Corbyn, you're essentially not really doing anything. You're just shutting the door on it and it will just fester inside and there'll be someone else to, to replace Corbyn. Um, but do, do you think, Callum, that anti-Semitism will ever be um, eradicated from the Labour Party? Um,
1: no. Uh, I don't I don't think you can ever completely get rid of anti-Semitism from, from the Labour Party. To the same extent, that, uh, realistically, you can't get rid of it from the Conservatives, you can't get rid of it from Lib Dems, you can't get rid of it from society as a whole. Yeah. Um, I think you can get quicker at stamping it out when you realise it's there. Um, but there, it's always people that are hiding below the surface and and an unseen sort of thing and don't then get action taken against them realistically
0: and quickly Callum which one of these options do you think is going to come out on top uh expel known offenders I think will come out on top don't what think. about you um I think it will be I'm going to go for replace uh, Corbyn as leader interesting yeah so uh, remember everybody to vote on this question what should Labour's next action be to tackle its perceived anti-semitism epidemic and remember the options are nothing replace Corbyn as leader expel known offenders legal action against offenders or other and we'll be back after this song break And welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, what should Labour's next action be to tackle its perceived anti-Semitism epidemic? And as always, you guys have been voting away. So let's look at the results. Um, So replace Jeremy Corbyn as leader, got 16 percent. Expel known offenders, got 19 percent. Legal action against offenders, got 24 percent. All of the above, which is an option I forgot to read out and I do apologize, everyone, Um, got 37 percent nothing got one percent which i'm pleased to see and other got three percent so kind of what your thoughts on that yeah i mean it's it's um yeah i mean we
1: both forgot that option didn't we so i mean uh it's unsurprising that obviously that comes out on top but it is it is good to see that people aren't just thinking that replacing corbyn as leaders is going to you know, solve this. They're not just mm-hmm. thinking. Actually, expelling known offenders is going to do this. We we do yeah. know it's it's a whole range of measures yeah. that is going to actually um, tackle this kind of institutional yeah. anti-Semitism that we see within the Labour Party.
0: I find it quite interesting that um, legal action against offenders is quite high on twenty four percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I
1: I perhaps it's a discussion for another time. But I would want to see. Um, how, how, how that is is possible in terms of legal action um mm. but as i said probably a discussion for another time yeah. right then time to move on to our fourth and final discussion of this evening and we are asking what's better pub nightclub or neither so it's the ultimate night out question a few chill and sociable drinks down your local or a big boogie down your nearest nightclub <laughs> George, what's your preference? Pub, nightclub or neither?
0: Um neither. No, I'm joking. Uh I <laughs> well, honestly, it depends what mood I'm in. Um if I'm with probably quite a, a large group of friends, um, and yes everyone, I do have more than two friends, um <laughs> I I would be like, Yeah, let's go out to the nightclub if I know it's gonna be busy, if I know it's gonna be good, then yeah, absolutely, let's go to the nightclub. I'm one of the first to be on the dance floor, um, showing my moves. And, and I think I love a nightclub, but if I want quite a chilled evening, the sun is nice. I'll go down the pub, have a nice beer, chat, relax. Um, so, so I, I think it's either or I, I'm going to sit on the fence here. I'm going to be a classic Lib Dem, um, right. and, and not commit myself to either. Um, but what, what are you, Callum? Are you a, are you, I mean, I know you're a boogier, not a very good boogie, but you're a boogie <laughs> in a <the> nightclub. <laughs>
1: Uh, I, I do like a boogie guilty as charged on that um, but um, I, I think ultimately I do prefer going to the pub because I, I think it's a much more sociable thing and you get to have a, a bit of a chat and a catch up with with yeah. your friends and, and things like this I mean I, I do enjoy the nightclub, club um, and I do I do enjoy going out as as you say George for, for a bit of a dance and and you know, I have a few drinks and things like this. But I, I, I mean, just think it's unrivaled the pub in terms of the more social experience it
0: brings. I mean let's let's be honest, if if we go out, Callum, kind of, it would it we it would be normally a, a pub to have that chat and then when it gets a little bit later we will go down a nightclub to have a bit of a boogie. So we, we kinda do a bit of both, don't we? Yes, yeah.
1: Although I think it's
0: it's different when you go
1: to the pub with the Expectation of going to a nightclub after I think you, yeah, it, it's less of a sociable experience then, and that, unfortunately, it becomes more about um drinking and things like that.
0: Well, um, as we both know, Callum, I don't drink, <clears throat> <laughs> not very much to be fair anymore, George.
1: Not very <laughs> much, right? Then we've reached time to go on to our final song break of this evening, don't, but don't forget to vote on this poll what's better, pub, nightclub or neither and you can do it at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen and we'll be back very soon hello and welcome back so before the break we asked a question what's better pub nightclub or other so, you guys have been voting away. So, 68% of you said the pub slash bar is the best. Uh, 17% of you said nightclub is. And 15% of you said other or neither uh, is the best. So, George, is there any surprises there? I mean, that's very high for pub slash bars, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: we've obviously got very civilised listeners that are, are are very, very good and don't don't go out in the nightclub on the night scene. But, I mean, I congratulate them. And can I, can I also just say that... Before the break, when Callum said um, that I don't drink that much anymore, I was never like a alcoholic or anything. Like, I'm not on like a recovery. I, I was just a social drinker. Yes,
1: yes, of, of of course, George. Of course, I wouldn't wouldn't want to imply anything else. Yes, um, but no. I mean, I think obviously that result is just a testament to the fact that uh, as you as we were saying, George, that it's just a more social experience. I think the pub or bar, you know.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: Mm. Right then, we've reached the time to end this evening's show. So, thanks very much for listening to To Be Discussed with Cuff and Gur. We hope you've enjoyed this episode.
0: As mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like to hear your thoughts on the question Are societal expectations around relationships still too patriarchal? You can do that by sending us an email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at WizRadio. So remember, the question is are societal expectations around relationships still too patriarchal? And we're really looking forward to hearing your opinions next week but for now, it is time for Callum and I to be leaving so I have been the boogieing George Lawrence Cup, And I have
1: been the strictly come dancing Callum Gurr Thanks so much for listening, from. We'll be back next week for another episode of To Be Discussed. Goodbye, guys. Ciao for now.